You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Well, welcome to the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We are glad you're joining us again for another episode of the Bonfire Podcast. If you are um, a first-time listener, we'd like to welcome you, and and we'd ask you to to stay and listen. And if you enjoy what you're hearing here, to uh, download and subscribe um, our content. You can do that by going to any of the podcast applications and hitting that subscribe button, and then you'll be getting our notifications that are sent to you each and every week as we release content. We release new content every Sunday night at eight a.m. or sorry, at eight p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, you'll have that uh, downloaded there to your mobile phone. For those of you who are uh, maybe longtime listeners and, and you'd like to to help us, uh, we need you to do uh, something for us. We need you to to rate, review, and like. Um, now, Dad, I, I want to tell our listeners, and we'll pull back the cloth a little bit here and, and, and let them know how um, this technology works. There's an algorithm, right, uh, that gets used in, in the Internet and podcast and social media. And it is driven all off of comments, ratings, likes, and that's what allows your content to get further out and about. And mm-hmm. that's how your your content gets recommended to someone who's never even heard of you right. before. And so I would encourage you guys, if you would, if you're using uh, one of the podcast applications, most of them have an opportunity for you to rate the podcast, uh, give a number of stars. And so if you would, please give us a rating there. You could also go to our Facebook page. You can leave a review there. And uh, just uh, you know, a few words there, what you think about the podcast, maybe what you like and even what you don't like. We'll, we'll take both good and bad feedback. And then on the individual videos, if you like those videos um, and you want to go to your social media and like those, uh, say, on the Facebook stream, that, again, helps us get the message out further. So uh, that would help us out a lot as we're trying to get this message as far as we can um, out into computer land. And then, of course, uh, more locally and, and more individually on your own, we'd encourage you to, to share, uh, to tell a friend, tell a family member about the Bonfire podcast, encourage them to listen along uh, with you. Maybe uh, you want to use this podcast as part of a Bible study with that person. Uh, maybe you've got a friend at work and you guys want to take a portion of your lunch um, or your, your break time to kind of talk about spiritual matters. Maybe our, our podcast can be uh, the starting point for that. Whatever it may be, we just want to get more people involved, more people listening, and we would uh, greatly appreciate your word of mouth advertising uh, so that more people know that what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Well, that's our housekeeping for this week, Dad, and I'm excited uh, for this episode because we're going to do things a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's... This is the first episode of what we're going to kick off to be uh, ultimately an intermittent series called The Doctrinal Dose. Mm -hmm. And I I thought that would be a fairly clever name since you're a pastor, I'm a pharmacist. Right. Uh, And so we could put that together and call it The Doctrinal Dose. Mm -hmm. Um, And this will be, um, again, different from what we've done in the past. Now, we've covered Christian doctrine. Obviously, that's uh, largely what our, our podcast is about. But in these particular series, or these series of episodes, we're going to be diving into a particular doctrine, and we're going to go in deep and explain what that doctrine means, and then also provide the biblical justification um, behind that doctrine so that you have the understanding of where that belief uh, comes right. from. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Dad, when I brought the idea of Bonfire uh, to you last year, my goal was simple. I just wanted to take the gospel to the ends of the world using today's technology. And to be honest, uh, having... 
uh, time or having an episode dedicated to teaching doctrine, um, well, it really wasn't on my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I believe it's vital uh, that we cover doctrinal topics and we, that we hit them hard and that we provide our listeners with this background. And listeners, here's why it's important. Over the last six months to a year, um, I have been taking notice of, of what I'm calling a doctrinal shift um, or drift that's occurring and mm-hmm. what I'll call again is mainstream Christianity. Now that's a large bucket to put everyone in, but that's what I'm going to refer to it as. And this drift has likely been occurring for many decades, but it seems to be current re- occurring at a fevered pitch now, or at least it's become to a point where my eyes have been open uh, mm-hmm. to where I can see. And I think many of, of you may be in the same position when you look around at, um, at Christian mainstream Christianity and you kind of think to yourself, how did we get here? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the position I've been in the last couple months is where did we get to where it seems like we're so far off of center uh, from from the the doctrines that we used to to really hold strong to right. in Christianity. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, you may be thinking, well, what exactly are you talking about? What drift or what shift are you talking about? And and it's occurring on multiple levels. But here's just some things that I'm seeing now. These aren't all specific doctrinal issues, but I believe it is symptomatic of overall doctrinal shift that we're seeing. And and Uh here's a few that I'll give to you or several. So I'm seeing that there's a less focus on sharing the gospel and evangelism. Mm -hmm. You know, Dad was telling you before we got started, I even read an article, it was in a Christian magazine, and it was uh, proposing that uh, evangelism is dead Mm -hmm. and that we should no longer be concerned with uh, evangelism. Mm. And this is supposedly a Christian magazine that, that is has a viewership or readership that's Christians, and it's clearly saying that oh, we shouldn't worry about telling other people about Jesus. Right. That seems opposite yeah. of what we should be doing. Yeah, they need to take the word Christian off their uh, <laughs> off, <laughs> off their, off their, their publication, right? Publication, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I see happening is a shifting position on sin like homosexuality, mm-hmm. right? We see a, 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 that creeping into our, our churches and seeing a church's compromise um, uh, on their stance on homosexuality, even see where homosexuality is even making its way into the pulpit in, in some congregations. I see a shifting position on hell. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've noticed and take notice that some of the new translations, some of the, the brand new translations of the Bible that are coming out, they're removing the word hell from their Bible completely because they don't want to present hell because they think it's it's something that is a that's an offput to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did a whole episode. And I encourage you guys if you haven't gone back uh, to to listen to it to do so. Uh, it's called the reality of hell. Hell's a real place, right? And it's something that we, we can't just you know turn a blind eye to. Um, I'm seeing that there's a, a big push for people to say that there's more than one way to get to heaven. And, and typically, mm-hmm. you know, you would never think that would come out of uh, some Christian leader's mouth, but they're kind of beating around the bush or waffling. You, they ask them the question on media, and they give this kind of weird answer, and you, you kind of scratch your head and say, what did they just say? It right. seems like they're opening the door uh, that maybe Jesus isn't the only way, and we know that that's obviously not the case. I'm seeing that there's a push for the main religion, world religions, um, that they're all the same, and they all represent the same God. It's just different cultural expressions for God. So mm-hmm. the example being, when we serve Christianity and, and the one true God, they're saying that Muslims, when they uh, are worshiping God, they're worshiping the same God. They just do it in their cultural way, and that's in, in Islam. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing could be said for Buddhism and, and many of the other world religions. Um, I heard someone explain it this time, is imagine that you're in a, in a room, and the 
the room is dark and you're and there's an elephant in the room and everyone's putting their hands on this elephant and they're feeling and touching and each person's going to describe that differently and that's the kind of the explanation they give to God is that that my explanation of who God is and what God is like is based off of my interpretation of what I can see and feel and that's different than someone else in that same dark room and uh, that's just clearly heresy that's um, right that, that that's not true um, obviously, there's a bumper sticker that says this. There's a push that we need to coexist, right? Mm-hmm. That all the world religions, regardless of whether they um, uh, state that there is one true God, uh, that we should all just hold hands and sing Kumbaya. I see that there's a um, a growing uh, shift toward works-based salvation and righteousness, that we mm-hmm. can do enough good things to gain favor in the sight of God. And we're going to talk about on today's episode that that's clearly not the case. Right. And this one's troubling, Dad. Um, there's a move afoot that says that God is here to serve you and that you're not here to serve God. And so that comes from this prosperity gospel where basically they've turned God into a genie mm-hmm. and you know you send all your wants and wishes to God and he's going to grant all those wishes and you're going to live a perfect happy life as as a you know rich popular person and right. and clearly the gospel would never no. teaches anything close to that mm-hmm. but that's something that's very prevalent uh, that's out and about uh, notice that I said him uh, in that last statement. So the, now the masculinity of God has been called into question. You know, throughout the Bible, we see um, God, the Father, the Son, and even the Holy Spirit all referred to in a masculine form. Right. Um, and now, uh, because of, I guess, some political nature of, of our, our, our environment that we're living in, um, his masculinity has been called into question. And, mm-hmm. and people were wanting to use the term like Mother God. And uh, we even saw there on uh, what was the the Congress where they closed a prayer with "Amen" and "A woman," you know, right? Uh, just, crazy. just this craziness that's, that's happening around us. With that comes the role of women in the church leadership and at home. They're shifting positions on that 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 we never would would thought to see. And then lastly, the the one that I've noticed is that there's more reverence given to uh, creation than the Creator. Right. Um, a lot of folks wanted to to worship Mother Earth and. And, and the creation, but don't want to give the respect uh, that's due to the creator right. uh, who actually put all this stuff into motion. And so, you know, basically what I'm saying is that as societal thinking and behavior uh, of the world shifts to what many call, and I'm going to put in parentheses, progressive or modern, mainstream uh, Christianity seems to be drifting along just behind as many seek to compromise their beliefs in an effort to remain relevant or inclusive to all. Mm-hmm. And we've been very clear on this podcast, Dad, that we believe that the return of Christ is is not long away. And the Bible tells us that in the last days there will be false prophets and there will be many antichrists, the little a antichrist, right. and that bad doctrine or, or bad or compromised doctrine will be prevalent. And so we must be prepared and well-equipped to fend off the deception that will, and I will say has, right. come. Mm-hmm. And uh, that being said, it's important to not only know what you believe, everyone wants to know what they believe, but uh, it's more important to know why you believe what you That's believe, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and now you see that in so many things, whether you're, you're talking about just normal uh, day-to-day ideology or particular theology, um, it's very easy to state what you believe, but when someone begins to challenge what you believe, you need to be able to, to justify right. and, and to argue back, um, or at least to politely state back the facts of why you believe what you believe. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when the doctrinal winds uh, get to blowing, the ones with shallow roots or no roots will be the ones that are carried away. And Dan, I, I'm beginning to think that the winds have begun to blow. That's and right. And so, 
Uh, that's why I think we need to do this. Uh, we need to do the doctrinal dose is, is that we need to come alongside our listeners. We need to provide uh, them with uh, the evidence of these Christian doctrines, the biblical justification behind them, and, and help them to learn and to study so that when these shifts in doctrines occur, they're going to be prepared and they can fend off um, you know, the deception that's going to come here as we enter into the end time. Right. So that's why we're doing it. Um, it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're probably going to be more discussion uh, discussion based than than we have been in other episodes. And you may be wondering, are we just going to do you know episode after episode on doctrine? And the answer is no. I, I call this an intermittent uh, series, and so we're going to be tackling one doctrine today, mm-hmm. and then we'll probably jump into different things. And then uh, every once in a while, we'll come back to a doctrinal dose series mm-hmm. uh, or a doctrinal dose episode, and we'll tackle another uh, another. Uh, uh, Another doctrine. Now we've we've done some of this before, right? Because we've talked about sin and faith and some of our early episodes. So we've kind of right. done this, but we're going to rebrand everything as doctrinal dose, and and really touch on these these key uh, Christian doctrines. And so for today, we're going to dive uh, really into the deep end here of the doctrinal pool, and we're going to tackle the doctor doctrine of eternal security, which is commonly referred to as once saved, always saved. Right. I think that's the the kind of the the layman term that most people will throw around as they say once saved. Saved, always saved, but really that's the doctrine of eternal security. Throughout the years, eternal security has been a hotly debated uh, theology uh, issue. Mm-hmm. Many theologians say that you can lose your salvation, and many claim uh, that you can't. Uh, even today, many people believe that a Christian can lose his salvation or her salvation, such as uh, a person is considered to be backslidden or have fallen away from Christ. However, we contend that there is sound biblical justification for the doctrine of eternal security, and that's what we want to cover in this episode. And so as we walk through this episode, um, the way that we're going to present this is considerations or arguments or or justification points. And so we've got several here that we want to walk through. And Dad, the first one that came to my mind as as we were putting this together was uh, looking at the way that we are saved. Right. right, because if we're talking about we can lose our salvation, we really have to start with how are we saved, and and obviously our first point here is going to be that we are saved by grace um, through faith, and so I'll go to Ephesians uh, chapter two verse eight, and those who listen to the podcast frequently know that I like this verse. We come to it quite a bit. It says, "For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God." not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so uh, clearly we see here Paul writing to the the church at Ephesus, and he's saying that, hey, uh, your salvation, what gets you in the door, is not what you've done or what you can do. Um, It's all about the grace that God has given, and through your faith, putting your trust and your belief in Jesus Christ, that's what gets you into the door of salvation. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's nothing else. It's nothing more. You can't add anything to it. You can't take anything away. That's what it is. Dad, I found another verse that, that I like, um, and this is Paul writing again here in Galatians. This is 2, verse 16, and he's writing uh, to the church, uh, the Galatian church, and um, at this time he, he's talking to them about uh, works-based salvation and, and how they're justified, and, and so I want to touch on that really quickly. It says, uh, verse 16 says, Knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ. Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by faith in Christ, not by works of the law. For by works of the law, no flesh has been justified. And so, Mm -hmm. again, we are saved by faith. Now, consider this, listeners. The doctrine that claims that a person can lose his salvation makes salvation conditional. 
It is to say that since God has saved us, that we will maintain our salvation as we continue to match up to God's standards. But if we fail to do that at some point, we lose it. And that's really works-based salvation or works-based righteousness. Mm -hmm. And that's clearly not the case. We're saved by faith. We're justified by faith, as Paul says, Mm -hmm. not by our works. And Dad, talk to us about our works and how that interlays. Well, as you pointed out, I love that verse where Paul says we're saved by grace through faith. And of course, grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Now, God didn't save us because we were good. Paul said in Titus 3, 5, not of works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Now, some can see to the fact that we're not saved by works, but believe we are kept, meaning kept saved by works. Now, that train of thought defies even human logic. Think about it. How can we do something to lose something that we never did anything to gain. Those that believe that you can be saved today and lost tomorrow are in effect saying that you lose your salvation by something you do. And we've alluded to this. This is works-based salvation. If after a person is saved, he can be lost again, here's a question. How many sins does a person have to commit to be lost again? One. Two, five, ten, how many? And which are they? Murder, adultery, profanity, or will gossip, anger, and not tithing do? And if a person can be saved today and lost tomorrow, what must they do to be saved again? Do they have to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior again? Do they have to walk the aisle again? Must they be baptized again? Any belief other than once saved, always saved, leads to total frustration in the Christian's life. Without the assurance of salvation, you as a Christian are going down in your fight with the devil. For one piece of our spiritual armor, Paul said, is the helmet of salvation. But now, what role does good works play? In regard to salvation, good works is the fruit the evidence of salvation, not the root of salvation. We're not saved by works, but by a faith that works. James said in James 2.18, Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Works play no part in our salvation, but works are the evidence of salvation. You can tell what kind of tree a tree is by the fruit that it bears. Jesus said in Luke 6, 44, for every tree is known by its own fruit. In Matthew 7, 17, Jesus said, even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Paul, in speaking of good fruit, the distinguishing characteristic of believers said in Galatians 5, 22, and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Hey, if you're a Christian, this fruit is going to be seen in your life. Now, if you're not bearing good fruit, then It was not because you lost your salvation. It is because you were never saved to begin with, never saved. Now, we talk about once saved, always saved. But now the key to understanding this teaching is the words once saved. 
We do not believe that once a person joins the church, he's always saved. We do not believe that once a person is baptized, he is always saved. We don't even believe that once a person says he's saved, he's always saved. What we believe is that once a person is saved, he is always saved. Now, we freely admit and recognize that there are many false professions of faith. Judas, for example, was not saved. Jesus even warned us that tares would be mixed among the wheat, meaning that there would be people who would not really be saved in the church among those that are that are saved. Furthermore, every pastor, I know I'm a pastor, occasionally conducts a funeral service for a church member with his fingers crossed. He hopes the person was saved, but there was no real evidence of it. False professions have always been around. So folks, the question is, are you saved? Now, going back to grace and works, the Bible says, for by grace you're saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Note the word saved, that's past tense. In regard to the penalty of sin, you are saved, that's it. Now, Matt, talk about, if you will, this leads right into the finished work of Christ. Yeah, so let's look at that finished work of Calvary, and that's our kind of third point that we want to, to share with you all. And and so the way I look at this is, if we go down the mode of saying that we can lose our salvation, um, then it, it almost puts you in a position of saying that what Jesus did on the cross, that his death was only good for some of your sins, right? right. Mm-hmm. Not all of your sins, and that's clearly not the case. Uh, when Jesus went to the cross, his death was a sacrificial death, and it covered the sins of all of humanity, and it covered those in before his time, those who were at his time, and it covered all sins that would happen in the future. It covered all of them at one time, and and that was the finished work of Calvary. And when I was thinking about Scripture that that talks about this, um, I found Hebrews chapter ten, verses eleven through twelve, and let's read that really quickly to you. It says, "And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice." which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Continuing to verse 14, it says, For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And so, you know, that's good justification right there in Hebrews to say that the work of Calvary covered all sin. It covered mm-hmm. the sin that was prior to me professing my faith in Jesus Christ, and it still covers the sin that that I, I have right now. And, and you know, as believers, we work as hard as we can to to follow God's commands and to do the things of of, of God. But we still have that sinful nature, and sometimes that gets a, gets ahead of us. Right. And and we can commit those sins, and we must confess them and get out of them, uh, get those out, and let God work those out of our life. Um, but all of that is taken care of on Calvary. There's nothing that we can go back and do. I, I don't know how how you can say that uh, God's death on Calvary didn't cover all of your sins. It does. It covers all of them. And so because of that, once you profess your faith in what Jesus did on the cross, the finished work of Calvary covers all sins, both past, present, and those in the future. You know, think about it this way. Uh, I was born in 1960. You know, uh, Jesus had... Uh, died on the cross, you know, for what, 1900, uh, what, 30 years. He yep. died around 30, 33 AD, you know. How many of my sins were past when Jesus died? None of them. Yeah. They were all in the future. 
Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so again, it gets to that point, Dan, you, you asked the perfect question, um, which I don't think I've ever heard anyone who espouses to, you can lose your salvation and be able to answer is, you know, how many sins, like, where's that point where you lose it? Right. And, and, and how do you gain it back? Because there's not a good way to answer it because all of that's under the blood. It's been covered. It's been paid for. And um, I love this verse in Hebrews because it talks about the priest. You know, the priest used to go in and they had to do daily sacrifices. Um, and those, and it clearly says those sacrifices didn't do anything for sin. That was just a temporary uh, 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 atonement for righteousness that was being done right at that point in time. But Jesus came and through his one sacrifice, his death on the cross, uh, and the blood that was shed, and ultimately his resurrection, uh, he offered the perfect uh, sacrifice, mm-hmm. and it has covered all sin. And it says uh, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified, and that would be believers. We are in right. the process of sanctification, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Mm-hmm. So, Dad, uh, take us to point four. Uh, talk about the omniscience of God and how this interacts with once saved, always saved. Sure. Well, another reason I believe in eternal security has to do, as with you said, the omniscience of God. Now, over in John chapter 3, verse 20, 1 John chapter 3, verse 20, the Bible says, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Did you get that? And knows all things. God knows those who are truly His. Here's a question to think about. Why would God save someone if he knows they will turn away from him? Yeah, that's a good point. Speaking of the Christian, Paul said in Romans 8, 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. Before we were even born physically, Matt, God knew that we would be his children. He knew that. Now, John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Did you get that? Jesus said, and I know them. The last part of this verse, and they follow me, brings up the perseverance of the saints. Now, the doctrine once saved, always saved, in my opinion, is better named the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. Now, the tense of the verb follow suggests continuous action. So Jesus here was saying, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they keep following me. And this is how we know who Jesus's true sheep are. They are people who heard his voice, who began following him and are continuing to follow him. True Christians persevere. First John 2, 4 says, He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Now, we talked about bearing good fruit as an evidence of salvation. When you are truly a Christian, you will continue to bear good fruit. In John chapter 15, verse 16, Jesus said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Did you get that? Jesus said that your fruit should remain. Now, we've talked about the perseverance of the saints. Now, Matt, tell us about the preservation of the saints. Yes, um, and I want to talk about sanctification as well as that. 
And so uh, point number five, sanctification and and the preservation of the saints. And so first when we talk about sanctification, and that really is a doctrine in and of itself, and we'll probably come back and do a full discussion on that. And so I'm just going to hit the highlights here on that. And I give you kind of my definition for, for sanctification. It's the process by which uh, God, through the Holy Spirit, makes a believer holy and free from sin. And notice in that definition, it's a process. Um, it's something that is uh, is happening gradually over time. Now, when you um, accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, your sins are forgiven, and you are considered to be um, guiltless from a sin perspective. Um, but there is a process by which you are uh, becoming more Christ-like. You are growing in your faith, and that's the process of sanctification. And that's going to continue throughout your life as you study and as you learn, and we will never reach uh, full sanctification on this side of heaven. Uh, the Bible teaches very clearly that our, our moment of full sanctification is going to occur when we receive our glorified body, and at that point, we drop the old nature. We, we talked about that earlier, Dad, that, you mm-hmm. know— uh, the Bible says that when we are, are accepting Christ and we become a Christian, that we are a new creature, right? Um, and that we are created new, mm-hmm. but we still have that sinful nature, and we right. keep that sinful nature with us all the way till uh, till the end, until we receive that glorified body. And so we're going through this process of sanctification. Since it is a process, that means that there is going to be a period of time where we're less sanctified than we are in the future, right? Right. Uh, which would lend itself to mean that there's going to be uh, times where we're going to make mistakes. We're going to we're going to fail. We're going to fall short because again, we have that human nature, and we're in the process of becoming more like Christ. And that takes a lifetime, and ultimately takes uh, the, the gateway of eternity to actually complete that process. And so, with that being the case, I, I just don't see how you can say that you can lose your salvation because. God knows that there's a process that that each believer is going through as they they move through this process of sanctification. You mentioned preservation of mm-hmm. the saints, and so the doctrine of preservation of saints basically means that uh, that God is going to keep His children; He's going to protect them. And I got several verses here uh, that will will help us talk through this. First is Jude twenty four. It says, "Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you uh, faultless before the presence of the of His glory with exceeding joy." So Notice it says, him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Mm-hmm. Uh, that basically is is right there saying that God is going to come alongside you. He's going to give you through the power of his Holy Spirit the ability to to follow his commands and to do the things that he has called you to do and to abstain from sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's keeping you. Uh, doesn't mean, again, that you're not going to make mistakes, but he's there to help you as you move forward. Right. The second verse that I see here, Dad, is John 10, verses 28 through 29. And it says, And I give them eternal life. Notice he says eternal. And they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them from my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. So he's saying that as a child of God, we are his possession, Mm -hmm. and he has has us in his hand, and nothing can pluck us from him. Satan can't pluck us from his hand. Our sins can't pluck us from his hand. We are firmly in his grasp if we are true believers and true children of God. We can't pluck ourselves from his hand. That's right. We can't pluck ourselves from his hand. And so many of you may be thinking, well, well, what if I uh, just decide that I'm going to renounce Christianity and walk away uh, from, from, from it? And we see that happening. In fact, uh, there's a trend of that happening right now. All of these prominent Christians, whether they're musicians or, or, or leaders, are, are, are walking away from Christianity. Um, and and we'll as, say Christian lightly. Yeah, I'll say Christian lightly. Yeah. And 
it's what you said earlier, Dad. For those people, um, I would say they never really had a Christian experience. They never right. accepted Christ as a personal Lord and Savior. So when you see someone who supposedly recants, uh, that person was not a true, truly saved person, in my opinion. That's exactly right. You can't just walk away from God when you really have Jesus in your heart. I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Mm-hmm. We can't even live with ourselves uh, with strong conviction. You remember David said, thy hand was heavy upon me when he was trying to cover his sin. God, he loves his children, and he'll take us to the woodshed, so yeah. to speak. Oh, and people that can walk away from God and and uh, and them not being corrected by God, that just proves that they were illegitimate. They never were his children Correct. to begin with. Because you can, you can grieve the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. um, and, and through, through your actions. And, and as you said, when that happens, you typically pay the price and, and uh, you're, you're chastened and, and convicted by what you've done. Um, and so if someone can just walk away and say, you know, I don't believe in that anymore and just go away kind of scot-free, uh, then that's suggested that they, they never had the Holy Spirit present in them at all. You know, uh, the devil is the most dangerous when he appears as an angel of light, mm, someone true. that professes to be a Christian, a big leader, and uh, and they really did not know God the whole time. Exactly. Dad, here's the third verse uh, that I, I see here. It's uh, John six thirty seven through 39. Um, and so it says, all that the Father has given uh, to me come to me, and the ones who come to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all uh, he has given me, I shall not lose nothing, but shall raise it up in the last day. And so, you know, that's uh, another reference there that, that God's going to keep his His elect, his chosen people, those that are, are saved. He's going to maintain them. And even though death may take them out, it clearly says we know that one day he's going to raise them back up and he's going to have everything that he was given. You know, the reason we strongly believe in eternal security is because God says we've got it. I read an illustration uh, the other day that suppose you were in the military and you're at camp and you got word from fellow soldiers, hey, I heard we're moving out tomorrow. I heard we're moving out. And some were saying, no, we're not moving out tomorrow. And then there was just discussion back and forth. Yeah, we're moving out tomorrow. I heard someone say we're moving out tomorrow. Well, how do you know if you're moving out tomorrow? You go to headquarters and you look at what the generals posted outside the door. If he says we're moving out tomorrow, you're moving out tomorrow. (laughs) And God's the one that has said that no one can pluck you out of my hand. I'll keep whatever God the Father Jesus said has given me. I'll keep it. That's exactly right. And then the last verse that I have uh, talking about preservation of saints is Philippians one six. And you know, Dad, you and I talked about this. This verse is 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 technically written in the context of of Israel, uh, right? But I think the overall sentiment is true uh, for all believers. It says, verse six: Be confident in this very thing: He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so, um, again, context of that. Uh, probably uh, written to a, a different group of people, uh, but overall, I think that fits nicely into the process of like sanctification, right? That we are a work in progress. Um, those of us who have have put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are as we study, as we learn, as we worship, as we grow, 
um, in our relationship with Christ, we become more and more like him. And uh, there's a work going on inside of us. And, you know, that's actually my prayer every day, Dad, is I'm like, hey, God, I'm, I'm, I'm a work in progress. Right. I need you to do some more work. I need you to deconstruct some of, uh, some of Matt and put it back together the way that you want me to be, um, because I obviously see that I've got that sinful nature that, that's still there and still present. Mm-hmm. And so these verses here, uh, again, help see that, uh, that God is working and, and God working through the Holy Spirit to keep his children and keep them moving in the direction um, and, and not allowing them to fall out of favor or right. out of grace from him. Now, Dad, people who are listening to us, they may say, well, you know what? Um, this sounds all great and good, but basically what you've told me is that I can accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and then I've got a free pass. I can do all the sinning I want to, that basically this is just a license to sin. What would you tell them, Dad? <laughs> well, it's not a license to sin. And for those who were thinking this way, listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul writes, certainly not! Exclamation point. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? The fact that the Bible teaches that a Christian can't do anything to lose his salvation does not give a Christian a license to sin. For Paul, it was an outrage for people to even entertain the notion. You know why? Because the believer has died to sin. In other words, just as Jesus died for us, in Christ, we have died to sin. That's not to say that sin is not still operating and cannot operate in our life, but the child of God has made up his mind to live for the Lord Jesus Christ, to be committed to him. And you see, the person that's not a Christian, why, they don't think anything about uh, going to church on Sunday and going out and going to the clubs on Sunday night or Monday. But the child of God is someone that really has made up his mind to die to sin, to that old sin nature, to listen to the voice of God to serve him. So Paul, was just, it just outraged him to think that you believe that people believe that you could just live any way you want because you're saved. A saved person's going to live for God. They're going to be an overcomer. That's right. Their their life is going to be changed, right? We we talked about that uh, new creature that's going to be placed there, and and when you truly have an encounter with God, and and you have the Holy Spirit living in your life, you're not going to be able to do the things, uh, these sins that maybe you used to do, because we've already talked about the Holy Spirit's going to get after you, and you it's you're just going to be evident, uh, you know, that you've done wrong and and convict you of those things, and so I just I really see that it's impossible, uh, you know, for for you to do that. A person is very miserable that has Jesus in his heart that has the Holy Spirit living in him uh, that is sinning. When we break that fellowship with God, we grieve the Holy Spirit and, and you know, it, it pulls us down. We know we're missing that fellowship with God and, and God convicts us for the purpose of helping us to get back up and get right back into the fight, right back into serving him. And like I said, if you ignore his conviction, then he's going to send his chastisement. That's exactly right. Well, Dad, we're getting ready to wrap up this episode. And again, listeners, this has been a little bit different format for us. Um, these episodes will probably be a little bit shorter. This one will be um, probably about the same as our, our normal episodes just because of our intro. Uh, but we want to give you, again, this biblical justification. Uh, looking here at once saved, always saved, or the doctrine of e- uh, of eternal security. And so I 
would encourage you to go back and listen to uh, the episode, write down the scripture that we've uh, kind of rattled off uh, and rapid fire to you and go read and research and dig into these um, and make sure that you've got a good foundation and understanding of what we're talking about here. Um, because, you know, Dad, any time that you, you say that you can lose your salvation, it, it puts you in this weird position where you, you have to think that, wait a minute, I've got to do something else. It's, it's, it's Jesus plus something, and that's clearly not the case. And I found this uh, quote from Charles Swindoll, said, you know, the most dangerous heresy on earth is uh, the emphasis on what we can do uh, for God instead of what God has done for us. Mm-hmm. And that's really a good summary for what we're talking about. Many of you may be listening and you say, you know what, this just still doesn't make sense. I'm not good enough to go to heaven. And you know what? You're right. I'm not good enough to go to heaven either. But right. the miracle of 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 what God put in, in plan for us is that when he looks at me, he doesn't see me. He sees Jesus on the cross. That's and right. it, Jesus is good enough to get into heaven. And so um, you're right. If you think that I'm not good enough, you, you are correct. None of us are. Uh, but it's the work that God did or, or Jesus did there on the cross is what allows us to get in the door way of heaven. Just one little closing uh, comment uh, about Eternal security over in John ten twenty eight. I think you read that a while ago. Uh, Jesus was speaking of his sheep, and Jesus said, "I will give them eternal life." Note that salvation is a gift, not a loan. When someone loans you something, you have to return it. But when someone gives you something, you do not. Mm, that's a great way to close us out, Dad. Thank you for that. Uh, how about praying us out of here? Sure. Our Heavenly Father, uh, thank you, Lord, for giving Matt and I this opportunity to explain uh, the doctrine of eternal security. Oh, Lord, I'm so glad that I can lay my head down on my pillow at night after having already trusted Jesus and accepted him as my Savior. And, Lord, not having to worry if I've committed a certain amount of sins that would throw me out of a relationship with you during the day, not having to worry about that. God, I'm your child always because of what Jesus did, not because of what I have done. And Lord, that's that same thing is true for every Christian. So Lord, I pray that you would just give uh, that person that is fretting and worried about uh, whether some sin has put them out of a relationship with you Help them to realize, yes, their fellowship might have been certainly compromised, but they can come back and be renewed in fellowship, but their relationship is intact. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonefire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.